First thing I want to say thank you so much. That was an amazing talk. And I was wondering if you could elaborate. What I notice a lot, I go here to UBC, is that a lot of students and young people, they're often desensitized to, for example, the atrocities that communism or ideologies that forge terrorism. And maybe it's some sort of Stockholm syndrome that I'm seeing, where it's like people are just, they're, they're like trapped and they can't, they feel in a way they can't do anything about it. And then they start to like, like like communism or they start to see more socialists or adopt socialist policies that in the end will get them killed, will get them hurt. I was wondering if you kind of like elaborate that on what you think can be done about that or even if something can be done in that respect. Well, I think something can be done. I mean, I've been trying to educate people about the horrors of um, the Nazi regime and, and the Soviet regime in particular. I've concentrated mostly on those two because that, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. And trying to let people know that it was through the fault of people much like them that those systems arose. And, and that there are steps you can take to limit the probability that you would participate in such a thing. And that those steps are associated with trying to be truthful in your speech and actions. Because the stability of those systems depends on the willingness of individuals to lie. And and also on your willingness to take responsibility for the malevolence in your own heart that manifests itself in those social movements. And so that when I, do, when I do my lectures, when I do talks like this, when I put them on YouTube, what I'm trying to do is exactly that because that was the best pathway forward through such things that I could think up over 20 years of thinking about it. Um, no one is so habituated to suffering that they can read the Gulag Archipelago, which is actually quite hard to read, without having it affect them. Like, you're psychopathic if that book doesn't affect you, you know. It should, if you read it properly, it affects you deeply. And it's not the only example of that kind of literature. So the people who are habituated aren't. They've just been shown low-resolution representations of things they don't understand that look vaguely bad. They don't know a damn thing about them. And our education system has done a tremendously appalling job of educating young people about the absolute catastrophe of radical leftism. Now, it's not much better with regards to, say, the actions of the Nazis, although I would say, on average, people are more aware of that. But they don't but it's shallow, shallow knowledge. So you make the knowledge deep, and deep knowledge changes people and wakes them up. You know, I mean, the only reason that I ever got convinced that, there, that good and evil were real, more, more real than anything else, wasn't because I learned that good was real. That's hard. That's, that's hard. It's hard to learn that. You have to find examples of transcendent good, you know. They're rare. Evil? All you have to do is look. You read history a bit. And read it like it's about you. And there's no way that you can do that without a transformation. But people won't do it. It's like, you want to imagine yourself as an Auschwitz guard? That's a rough thing, you see, because you have to figure out... See, Jung said if you confronted the shadow, which was the dark side of people, the aggressive side, the malevolent side, that it, it really reaches all the way down to hell. And... Dante sort of 
was trying to put forward the same thing when he wrote the Inferno, right, with the levels of evil, right, because it was a voyage through the levels of evil right to the bottom. He thought the bottom was betrayal. It's pretty good. The, the most, the, the center of malevolence is betrayal. I like that because to betray someone, you have to get them to trust you, and trust is a moral virtue, right, especially if it's courageous trust, because it, it, it puts you in alignment with other people and allows you to move forward into life, and if you betray that, you really, it's like a knife in the, it's like a knife in the heart through the back, especially if it's someone who love, loves you, betrays you, and especially if they betray you for your virtues. That's a really nice twist. So, I believe, because I think that people are capable of good, that if they know enough about evil, that that will straighten them out. So, but who wants that? You know, this is one of the things I really like about Jung. He's often regarded as a New Age thinker. That's wrong. He's no New Age thinker. He knew that the, the pathway to enlightenment was barred by the necessity of a passage through hell. And that no one was going to do that. That's why there isn't a world full of enlightened people, you might say. Like, if it was just a matter of doing nice things, following your bliss, let's say, however you might put it, then why wouldn't everyone walk up the stairway to heaven? That isn't how it works. That's not how it works at all. I don't think you can be convinced of the necessity for moral action until you understand exactly how dark and terrible things can get and that it's your fault that they're getting that way. Who wants to think that? So, you can think it though, but not, not without it burning you. <laughs>